Welcome. Very glad that you're here. <clears throat> um, we are uh, we're just kind of kind of taking a break. We've been uh, we just kind of went through a series on prayer, and I really hope that that is something that you have been able to uh, just gain some momentum in your prayer life and been uh, a little bit more courageous in that. Starting next week, we're going to look at the 23rd Psalm and, and how that can uh, be such a vibrant part of our life and can lead us to <clears throat> this, this life of uh, contentment, which in our society is almost non-existent. And so um, we have that to look forward to. And um, so if you're looking forward to that a whole lot, then you can just go ahead and go now. You don't need to stick around for anything. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm, I'm excited about this, and I don't often say something like this at the beginning of a message, but I, I want to ask you to buckle your seatbelts. And so, some of you are kind of like, what? I didn't, I didn't know we had those. Um, figuratively speaking, um, this is, uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture that moves pretty fast and is pretty exciting. And I hope that this is something that really will, will generate some momentum in your life. Um, I brought a couple of movies with me today. And, uh, and I, you know, I realized it's a good weekend for the high schoolers to be away on a retreat because that saves me like 15 minutes of having to explain what these are. Um, <clears throat> these uh, VHS tapes... Um, brought, brought two of them. The first one here is, uh, you probably can't read it from where you are, but it's a Jeep operating tips video. And uh, I, in 2001, I bought a Jeep and I was so excited. I, I bought this Wrangler. I had visions of, you know, conquering the Rubicon Trail. And uh, even though I lived in St. Louis at the time, um, but I, I kind of had, uh, you know, like just give me a, a giant mud hole that I can put it in four-wheel drive low. And so I was really looking forward to what this video was going to be, you know, just kind of action shots and, and whatever. So I, uh, the night that I bought my Jeep, I get it home, I put it in the garage, and I, I pop this in, um, uh, the video player, and the whole thing is this guy standing in a garage next to a Jeep. And that's it just giving some basic instructions on how to take care of your Jeep. And so let me read kind of some stuff on the back here. Um, uh, Operating uh, the top, removal and installation of the top, folding and removing the rear seat, Um, washing the interior, do's and don'ts, okay? Fluid checks and fuse access. Ooh, riveting. (laughs) And then this one kind of concerned me towing your Wrangler when it's stuck or broken down. <laughs> Not what I bought this for, but uh, uh, so like I said, kind of, a, kind of a disappointing video. But this one, if you can see where it is, yeah, Top Gun. Yeah, this came out, this movie came out when, um, <laughs> when there were VHS tapes. And uh, it was the number one movie in 1986. The year I graduated from high school, it's got Tom Cruise and, uh, was it Kelly McGinnis? Is that her name? The reason I don't like Tom Cruise is because he still looks the same today. That is not fair. But anyway, um, Top Gun, it was the top movie in 1986. It also had the number one song. Anybody remember what song was number one from this? Danger Zone. Yeah, by Kenny Loggins. Um, now, in contrast to the... Uh, Jeep operating tips. Let me read the back 
of this Top Gun video. Um, Heart pounding uses other words like action, danger, excitement, superb, daring, the best of the best. So let me ask you, on a Friday night, which one of these two videos do you want to watch? No, I knew somebody was going to say that. That ruins the illustration. <laughs> say Top Gun. Yeah, thank you. All right. No, we would, we would want to watch this Top Gun video. Now, let me ask you a, a little bit more serious question. Between these two videos, this action-packed video and then this kind of basic how-to video, which of these two videos better characterizes the world's view of Christianity? Hmm. Operating tips. And this is a answer to yourself quietly question, but uh, of the people who know you best, which video would they say best characterizes your life? Would a video of your life have a section devoted to the installation of God and the removal of the bad stuff? Is your life mostly a list of interior heart cleanings, do's and don'ts? Are you still trying to access these fuses, the Spirit's power in your life? Is the only time you really call on God for help is when you are stuck or broken down and in need of a toe? All of those things that I just listed, none of those are bad. All of those are actually very good. They're necessary. Um, as we live this life of obedience, um, as we seek to please him, um, most people, and this is not like some official survey, but it just seems like most people come to Christ. They give their life to God in hopes that then their life will operate more smoothly and efficiently. That's a lot of times what will, will motivate people to give their life. Church is great, but you are not designed to sit in this garage and just focus on basic operating tips of do's and don'ts. We were created to venture out, to fly into what we'll call for today the holy danger zone. We were called to live a life where we recognize that what the world needs is for Christians to live their spirituality, to live their life with Christ out in the real world. And our lives should be characterized by words such as heart-pounding, action-packed, dangerous, exciting, prestigious, superb, and the best of the best. So rather than trying to do the same things better or the same things in a way that produce a higher success rate or more efficient, maybe we Christians need to consider doing something entirely different. When, when this Top Gun movie came out, did you know that um, enlistment in the military went up by 500% after this movie came out? What if enlistment in the kingdom went up by 500% in Silicon Valley? Because they saw Christians living the life, capital L life, that God called us to live. Yes, God calls us to a life of obedience, but that life of obedience comes with a yielding and an abandonment of our life 
to his will and a full-scale assault on the enemy. We are coming and giving our lives to him because we recognize we need him. There is a world that needs him. And through us, God wants to do a work in this world. We want to be a part of living dangerously in a dangerous world. Risk, failure, temptation, opposition, these are not possibly what you will encounter as you live out your calling and fly into this danger zone. Those things are precisely what you will encounter when you step out and make yourself available. I want to transition into scripture. There is, um, the Bible is, is full of stories of Christians who put themselves out there, of men and women who who chose to live out their faith, not just to quietly keep it to themselves. They put themselves out there um, in very precarious places and and situations, trusting that the God who called them was going to be the God who would fill them and empower them and, and help them. The scriptures are full of stories of men and women who turned their world upside down to the glory of God. And I've also noticed there are not a whole lot of stories of people who sat back in the easy chair of life. And there's a reason for that, because that's not what God created us for. Um, And I want us to look at a character in particular named Samson. Now, of all the people that we could look at, the reason I like Samson is not just because he did some big over-the-top stuff, but the scriptures don't hide his fallenness, his depravity, his humanity. And so I want us to see that this isn't something that um, once we figure out all the do's and don'ts, then we're qualified to fly into the danger zone, um, even when we're still pressing ahead and trying to, to grow in our faith, we can still be used by God. And Samson is one, uh, is one life that exemplifies that. His life was full of dangers, snares, and setbacks. And we're going to look at all of that in a real quick way this morning. His story starts in Judges 13. Um, his mother receives this prophetic word before Samson is born. The boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth. And he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. It goes on to say that um, you know, certain things that, uh, that he will, uh, certain rules that he will abide by. And one of them is do not cut your hair. And so um, there's just uh, several Nazarite vows, Nazarite um, Uh, commitments that came into this. And then after he was born, uh, later on in in Judges 13, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. There is a phrase that's used over and over as you kind of get these snapshot pictures of Samson. And it's it's the phrase, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And Samson was given this call to begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the enemy. And really, when you look at all of Scripture, God calls people at different times to enter into this world because of his love for the brokenness of this world. It was because of God's love for Israel that he had called Moses. And again, we see it is because of God's love for those same people that now he is calling Samson 
Um, It was because of God's love for the Gentiles that he called the Apostle Paul. It is because of God's love for the entire world that he asked his own son to come and to show his love to us. And I propose that it is because of God's love for Silicon Valley that you and I have been birthed, that you and I have been chosen. It is because of God's love for your family that you have been chosen. It is because of God's love for your coworkers. It is because of God's love for some people group, maybe in a foreign country. God is stirring in you because he has chosen you to begin the deliverance of those people from the hands of the enemy. I don't think I have to ask you, is this world under the control of an enemy right now? We see it. We see the brokenness of our culture. And God wants to use us to bring hope, healing, rescue to those people. Now, I'm telling you, Samson's, the, the movie of Samson's life, it would be a great one to watch. Um, listen to, this would be kind of, uh, what I'm going to read some verses out of Judges 14 and 15. And it kind of reads like the back of the, the movie uh, jacket for his, for his life. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. Now, I find that kind of interesting because I've not tried it, but I don't think I could tear apart a young goat. I, I, don't, I don't even know that I could do that. But anyway, if you could, Samson did that to a lion. So, uh, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. He went down to Ashkelon and struck down 30 of their men. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding the fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down 1,000 men. He can tear a lion apart. He can conquer 30 men. He can conquer 1,000 armed men. He does all of this, and the movie of Samson's life was more than just a documentary of what to do or not to do, how to obey and how to disobey, although those are really clear points in his life. It's a blockbuster because the main character of the story is the Holy Spirit. His life is a movie worth watching because the main character is the Holy Spirit, empowering him, working through him. So let me ask you, if the Spirit had not come upon Samson in power, would these stories have read differently? He's being attacked by a lion. If the Spirit didn't come upon him in power, what would be next? Yeah, a period at the end of the sentence, and then we move on to somebody else. So in other words, he was in a position where, can we agree, he really needed the Holy Spirit's power? He was in this position, um, not because he dreamt it up, but just, this is where his day took him. This is where God knew he was going to be. God gave his spirit to him to be successful in this situation. And what really draws me to Samson's life are the things that he did because he really needed the Holy Spirit's power. And it got me to thinking, would my life look any different over this last week? Would my life look any different without the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, on one hand, we need God's breath for us just to wake up and to breathe. But I'm kind of 
in a different way. I'm saying, are we putting ourselves out there in a way that if God doesn't come through, we're going to really look foolish? If God doesn't come through, there's no way this is going to come about. Are we willing to step out and put ourselves out there in positions where we need the Holy Spirit? Or are we going to continue to do things that we kind of calculate very carefully and say, yeah, I can do that. I'll, I'll apply for that because I'm pretty sure I've got what it takes to do that. But what if God is asking you to do something in the danger zone instead of your comfort zone? What does that look like for you? And that's when you realize we need the Holy Spirit. We need his help in this, in this work. We need the Spirit's power to love and to embrace the people around us, to live generously, to listen to others, to be patient, to show kindness, to take a stand, to speak for the voiceless. So many things. Something has probably already stirred in you. Maybe it was something that you saw on the news. Maybe it was something that you encountered personally as a child or growing up. And there's something in you that's right, that's, that's like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. There is this, this is what it could be. This is what it should be. And by God's power in me, this is what it's going to be. Something in us is stirring like that. And so as we consider this, what, what would characterize a person who takes flight into this holy danger zone? Are we, are we qualified? What's, what's, what are the similarities that we can have with Samson? So I just want to pull three real quick characteristics from Samson's life to help us uh, see where we fit in God's big scheme of bringing deliverance to our city and beyond. Characteristic number one, the holy danger zone is life lived in relationship, not just rules. It's not based on a set of rules. It's based upon a living, vibrant relationship. Back in Judges 13, 5, again, we read, You will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head because the boy is to be a Nazarite set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Samson was birthed into this role of being used by God. He was birthed into this role of being set apart by God. And in the same way, we are rebirthed. We are born again into this life of being used by God. This born again, or it could also be thought of as being born from above, is not just our physical birth, but it's a spiritual birth. It's not just as Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, who came to him at night. It was not just a, a birth of, of flesh, but of the spirit. In John 3, 3, um, Jesus told him, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You must be born again. You must be born from above. So this, this first step into the holy danger zone is an assurance that you are in a relationship with God himself. You have opened up your life to him and said, I need you as my rescuer and savior. Because it's him as rescuer and savior that you're taking with you out into the world. I believe that I have been set apart from my rebirth, 
from my time of being born again to be used by God in ways that are known and yet to be known. And this is the same for you. If you have been birthed into this relationship, would you join me in being just crazy enough to believe that God has an assignment for you? God has an assignment for me. There's uh, some verses that come to mind as I think about this, and um, I declare your power to the next generation. I feel like that is a verse, a theme verse that has been pounding in me for years, that I believe that God has called me to declare God's power to these next generations. And the older I get, there's a whole lot more generations now than what there was when I started this. Um, I believe that God has called me to hunger and to seek after him. And when I catch a fresh glimpse of Jesus, through, uh, then through my, my life, my actions, my words, whether spoken or written, I want people to see Jesus in a fresh way every day. This is a part of this, this calling that he's, given, that he's given me. And this is something that starts at the time of our birth, rebirth, born again. So simple question, have you been born again? I know that's kind of a churchy word that's really been drugged through the mud over the years. I'm just talking about, have you been born of the Spirit? Have you invited God to come in and be your source of life? Characteristic number two, life in this holy danger zone is a calling, not a career. I don't know what kind of job Samson had. We know what his his calling was to begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But I'm sure he had some kind of a job. Um, Jesus had a job. What was his job? He was a carpenter, yeah. But he also had a calling. And that calling gave shape to his career. Um, There's people like Moses, who was a shepherd. Um, Deborah, who was a prophetess. You've got uh, Joseph, who was a high-ranking government official. Uh, you got Paul, who was a tent maker, Nehemiah, who was an assistant to a king. All of these people had jobs, but more than that, they had a calling that shaped what they did, how they did it, and why they did it. You have a job of some kind, but you also have a calling, and that calling is what gives shape and direction and flow and um, kind of gives you a sense of, oh, this is why I'm here (laughs) in whatever job it is that you have. I've been a personal trainer. I've been a barista. Um, I've been a tech recruiter, which is really funny for those of you that know that I have zero computer skills at all. Um, I mowed yards. I worked in a funeral home. Um, I loaded freight for shipping companies. I was a professional dancer. I was, I'm just kidding. Totally, totally kidding. No, no dancing. Um, we can have a variety of titles, associate, intern, interim, director, manager, owner, sole proprietor, all of these things. But the game changer is when we recognize that God has called us to live and to speak in ways that make Jesus known. This is what really drives us. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning. My career is at its best when I'm living out my calling. Your career will be at its best when you are living out your calling. A lot of times we ask, okay, so what is God's will for my life? 
And I want to adjust that question just a little bit. I think a better question is, what is God's will? And then we adjust our lives accordingly. What is God's will? 1 Timothy 2 says God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. How can you adjust to God's will? What is God's will for those people that God has burdened you for? And how can you adjust your life um, to join him? And then the third characteristic, life in the holy danger zone is for the strong, not necessarily the big. Now, I can't prove this, but I don't think Samson was a big guy. The first thought that comes to mind, especially with all that he did, you would think he's, he's huge, muscle-bound. Um, if you've seen any movies that portray this particular part of the Bible, Samson is always just this big brute kind of guy. But I don't think Samson was a big guy. In fact, I think he was probably really scrawny because when he did all this stuff, people were asking, where does his strength come from? I mean, if he was 6'8 and weighed 450 pounds of solid muscle, you'd go, oh, I see where his strength comes from. But I believe he was probably small in stature because it wasn't about him being big. It was about God being strong through him. Life in this holy danger zone is not about dreaming up something big that you want to do for God. It's simply living in God's strength in all that you do. Every day, all day, even in the ordinary, will we live in God's strength. I am big enough to eat half a dozen donuts. I am big enough to eat half a dozen donuts to start my day. Um, but I'm not strong enough to say no to donuts. You know what I mean? Do you understand the difference? Follow me backstage. We have donuts back there. There are two missing because I'm not strong enough <laughs> to say no to those donuts. There's a big difference between being big and being strong. And in God's economy, it's, it's kind of weird. We think of big as how much you can lift. Um, but in God's economy, he measures strength by what we're willing to let go of and trust him with. How strong are you? Not how big are you and how big is this thing that you can do for God. How strong are you to where you will give God room to work in you and through you? This is a New Testament reminder for those called to live in the holy danger zone. 1 Corinthians 1. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong, meaning like financially strong or uh, muscular strong or whatever. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. How strong is God's spirit in you? How can you become a greater conduit of God's spirit in and through you? If you're familiar with this story of Samson, then you know that it reaches a really dark point 
where he is in a relationship that was probably not one he should have been in in the, in the first place. And Delilah is, uh, is her name, and she is, uh, she is being talked to by the Philistines uh, about finding out the secret of Samson's strength. In fact, um, the way they would talk to her is they would call her during her radio talk show late at night <laughs> for advice. Delilah, get it? Yeah, okay. All right. They, they talked to her and said, we want to know this Superman's kryptonite. What is it? If we're going to defeat this guy, we need to know where the source of his strength is. And she was able to find out that the source of his strength was in his hair. And if you cut his hair, he becomes as weak as anyone else. Well, kind of a little deeper than that, do we realize the source of his strength was not in his hair? The source of his strength was God, who gave him strength as he walked in obedience. God asked him not to cut his hair. And so as long as he was walking in obedience to that, then there was this source of strength. And with, with the kind of irony, his hair gets cut, and just as sin does, it cuts us off from God. Sin separates. Sin is what distances us, cuts us off from God. In Judges 16, it uses these two phrases. His strength left him, and the Lord had left him. Very dark part of the movie. It would be that part with the minor key where you just think, oh, wow, there's no hope. This movie's not going to turn around. But then, verse 22 of Judges 16, and this is, this is kind of a weird verse to say this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, but this is it. The hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I love that verse because it's a picture of hope. It's a promise of restoration. It does not say, just to be clear, it does not say that he woke up the next morning and wow, hair club for men really did him some amazing job. Um, it, was, it was not, you know, you're, you don't go to the drugstore and get a little chia head Samson and overnight, you know, the strength is back and all of that. His hair began to grow again. Have you found yourself cut off from God because of choices that you've made? you can begin to grow again. I hope you remember something other than this statistic, but the rate of hair growth, hair grows at 0.1601 miles an hour. It's true. I found it on the internet. Okay. <laughs> hair grows at that in miles an hour. Now, I don't know who clocked that. <laughs> Go. <laughs> I'm saying it's slow. Can we agree that is really, really slow? And that's probably how I've experienced most of the growth in my life. Not overnight. Not breaking land speed records. Just kind of slow, steady growth. And we see that this is what took place in the life of Samson. And he gets to this point where his hair has grown back. Um, he stopped doing the disobedient thing that took his strength away. Um, he was captured by the Philistines. Um, they gouged out his eyes and they basically made a mockery of him. But he realized um, as he, from that point on, began to walk in obedience again, his hair began to grow. His strength began to come back. 
And we pick up the story in Judges 16, and this is kind of the big climax of the movie here. Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate, saying, Our God has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, Put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more. And let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Then Samson reached toward the two pillars on which the, peop- on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and on the people in it. Thus he killed more when he died than while he lived. As you know, this is Memorial Day weekend. This is a weekend when we remember those who died giving themselves for something that they believed in. We remember people who sacrificed because they felt called to something. It's not going to be as obvious as positioning yourself between two pillars, but what is your place? Who are the people? What is the cause that God has called you to? What is it that you've dreamed of but have yet to stretch out your arms to touch? What is that specific thing in this world that needs to change and all it needs is your spirit-empowered push? What could that be? From this day forward, what if we followed you around recording your life, your inner life of motivations, your outward life of actions, What would your story look like? Which of these movies? Would it be a walking how-to manual of operating efficiently and safely? A series of scenes that quietly and harmlessly fade into eternity? Or would it be like this Top Gun video? A high-flying adventure into this holy danger zone, a heart-pounding story where you daily died to self in order that you could live for God and his call on your life. For some of you, I want to remind you that this call begins at the time of your rebirth. Have you been born again? If not, would you consider opening yourself up to him this morning? Just through a simple prayer, saying, God, here I am, rescue me. I've been consumed with trying to rescue the world, but first I need you to rescue me. Will that be your prayer this morning? I'm going to ask everyone to uh, bow your heads. And we're going to pray. And we're going to close with a song. Father, um, as you see fit, I pray that your Holy Spirit would stir inside us. That your power would become so real in us that you would shake this place. Shake our hearts. Shake the way that we've been looking at the world shake the way that we have maybe looked down on ourselves and what you could do with us and awaken us.
to how great your spirit is and how strong and powerful you are. Lord, I want to echo Samson's prayer. Please strengthen me so that I can be used by you once again. Just one more time. Just once more, Lord. Strengthen me. Strengthen the people of this church. It's in your name. Amen.